All right. Well, Father, we thank you for another opportunity to dig into your word and explore your heart and hear what is on your mind tonight. We thank you that you are doing something exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask for, all that we can dream up, our highest prayer, our biggest imagination. Father, we thank you that you're doing exceedingly abundantly above that. Thank you that your love has no measure. But you have invited us to live inside of you so that we could explore the depth and the height and the breadth of this love. And so tonight we're just asking for you to breathe on this podcast and speak to every single person that is listening, Lord. We know that you are drawing people to listen to these teachings really from all over the world. And so we just are so thankful that you are using these teachings, Father, to cause people to rise up in who they are in you and to experience the fullness of what you've accomplished through Calvary and to understand what it means to be one with you. And so tonight, I just yield. I yield my faculties. I yield my thoughts. And I ask you, Lord, just to use me, speak through me, take us where you want to go. We're, we are following your lead in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm recording tonight's podcast on October 6th. And that means that we've just entered into the Jewish New Year. Uh, let's see, September 30th was Rosh Hashanah, and we've got the new year that, that on the Jewish calendar that just started. And it's also the beginning of the fourth quarter of the, you know, regular calendar year, which means we've got three months left in 2019. I don't know if you guys can believe it, but it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a quick year, I feel like. Uh, and, one of the things that I, I've been doing periodically throughout the years, I've been reminding you about the word for 2019 that I spoke way back in January. Like, I know a lot of prophetic voices are sharing the word that, you know, for the, the, the new Jewish year and people are already thinking about 2020. But for whatever reason, the Lord keeps bringing me back to the word that he spoke at the beginning of 2019. And I am not convinced that I'm, I'm sure maybe he will give us a new new word for 2020. He always seems to do that for me. But this word, in my opinion, was so significant and is so significant that I personally kind of don't want to leave it until I actually get it. And I, I would encourage you to kind of take that on in the same way and not just be so eager for another prophetic word uh, when maybe the last word <laughs> that God's given us is still not manifested in your life. So let me take a moment 
and let me just revisit this word, and I want to jump off into it tonight, uh, into the teaching. And so let me, I'm just going to start reading it. It says, in order to be truly successful in life, my kids must live out of their true identity. They must live out of who they are in Christ. They must live out of the place where they are abiding in Christ. This means that each of them must stop identifying with their old self-image. The unregenerated me, the separated me, the alienated me, the independent me. And I would add the rejected me, let's just say it this way, the fat me, the depressed me, the broke me, the sick me, right? I could just keep going on and on with adjectives here (laughs) that describe a me that isn't who you are in Christ. So hopefully you're getting the picture here. Let me keep reading. It says, but this me no longer exists. It's just a memory of who my kids have experienced themselves to be over the course of their lives. However, this memory of me, who in reality no longer lives, must die in their minds. You cannot identify with the old man and the new man at the same time. You cannot be joined to me and be separate from me at the same time. The state of abiding in Christ is the normal and perpetual state of being for a believer, whether they are aware of it or not. Separation from me is always just an illusion. However, when someone is deceived by that illusion, my life does not flow through them. And they cannot produce the fruit, i.e. the results they desire. You can't produce the fruit that only comes from being connected to me, the tree of life. My results are only produced by abiding in me. The supernatural is the natural byproduct of life as you abide in Christ. But remember, child, it's one thing to know who you are in Christ, yet entirely something different to live out of this identity as a way of life. And I want to say, on a daily basis. And this is my child, the way, reason I created you. Now the father's talking to me. He says, I've called you, Shalise, to help people live their life purpose and make a difference in the world the only way it can happen, through oneness with me. This is also why you must never, ever stop moving forward and believing me for big, impossible dreams for yourselves and others. Yes, it may be easier to live a normal life, but Jesus paid an incredible price for you to experience my life. So if you want to know what those connected to you need to know coming into this year, in order for this year to be the best year they've ever lived, tell them this. Listen to my voice. Here's the key part, you guys. This is what you're, this is the word. Listen to my voice. Make knowing me, living out of your true identity, and learning to abide in union with me your number one priority this year. Success in life isn't found in setting and achieving more goals. 
It is found in living life with me, in union with me. Will you set and achieve goals living this way? Of course you will. You will set and achieve my goals. I will accomplish my will and establish my kingdom through you as you abide in me. However, you and your life will not be defined by these accomplishments for who you are and your success in life is singularly defined by who you are in me. Thank you for your patience for letting me read that again because it is kind of a long word, but it's a very, very powerful word. And it's about what true success actually looks like in life. And it's about how the goal of Christianity is not a bunch of, you know, activities that we do as Christians. It's not about, you know, going to Bible studies and, you know, learning scripture and, and reading your Bible and, and it, honestly, not even really living your, some purpose or, or, or doing, you know, some big cause or something. It's actually about abiding in the vine. It's actually about living in union with God. And through that union, allowing his life to be expressed through you. Romans 12 verse 1 says that to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. It says, you know, holy and, and, and that this is our reasonable service. Meaning our service is to provide Jesus a house, a dwelling place. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And through that union, as his life flows through us and we live out of who we are in Christ, in that union identity, then we produce fruit. God told me one time, he said, Shalice, you only get credit in heaven for what the Father does through you. You know, like, like we're going to get to heaven and, you know, we, we, I think we think we're going to get a bunch of rewards or something for all the good things we did. And the truth is, no, independence is not rewarded in heaven. Dependence is rewarded in heaven. And so this, this, this admonishment in this word about listening to his voice and make knowing him and living out of your true identity and abiding in the vine, your number one priority. Why? Why? Because that is the way to live a successful life. There's a scripture that I read a lot that I'm going to go back to tonight. And then I, I'm going to teach on this, this concept that I feel like is a kind of a progression that we go through in our lives. And I, I think of it as like, um, I called it the levels of awakening. And I feel like there are levels that we go through in our relationship with God and in our relationship uh, in growing in to the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. Which, guess what? (laughs) That is the goal, you guys. In Ephesians 4 and 11 12, it talks about, you know, the fivefold ministry. It talks about that there are pastors and apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists. And it says that, that when Jesus ascended, that he gave gifts to men. And these fivefold gifts, these five gifts, these graces were given for, given for a reason. 
And the reason is to equip the body of Christ for the work of the ministry. So I'm going to, I'm going to go over there for a moment. It feels like a little bit of a, um, of a, but rabbit trail. I am going to come back to the scripture that I was going to originally jump off on, but I want to go here for a moment and I'm going to read Ephesians four. I don't know. Maybe I'll read through. Let me see if I can get there. We'll start in verse 11. It says in the NIV, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. So the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In the, in the King James Version, it says it just a little bit different. Let me go to the New King James Version. That, that last verse here, it says that the fivefold gifts are going to exist. <laughs> it says, until we come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so the, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ Okay, that is where we're headed, you guys. I'm going to say it again. We're headed to the fullness of the stature. Okay, the, the full, the, the measure of the stature. That means we're going to grow up into the fullness of Jesus. We're going to grow up until we are exactly like Jesus. And you want to know what the, I mean, there's a lot of things we can say about Jesus. But the most important thing that I feel like we could say about Jesus is that he is God. And you know why Jesus is God? Well, he's God in and of himself, but he's God also because he's one with the father and he's one with the Holy spirit. And so there's this union of the Godhead that is expressed in Jesus Christ. And that means because you are in Christ, that there is a fullness of the Godhead that is meant to be expressed through you. And the Holy Spirit is right now, right now, when I, when I prayed earlier and I said he's doing the exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask, all we could think, all we could even imagine. Well, guess what's above all of that? The fullness of Christ. And you growing up into the measure of the, of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Because that is your true identity. In Colossians, I read this, I think, last week. I've been on this a little bit. Maybe it wasn't last time I did a podcast. I can't remember. But I'm going to read it again. In Colossians 3, in verse 3, I want to read this. It says, well, let me start. I'm going to read it in the, the, the Passion Translation because it's just so good. Let me read it um, starting in verse 3. It says, your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. Well, let me back up for a minute because let me tell you how much you are identified with Christ. Okay, verse three just said your crucifixion with Christ. So your, identif- your identity is so, so linked to Jesus's that God sees you as being on the cross with him 2,000 years ago before we were even born. He says in verse three, your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. Like that is revolutionary scripture. 
It's revolutionary. The, the gospel is revolutionary. We are not... We are not on the planet to live like mere human beings. And verse 1 is even, even more shocking. It says this, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. If you keep reading that, it says, this is why we're to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Now, if I, if I linked this back to Ephesians chapter 2, where it says that you were raised up with him and you now are seated in heavenly places in Christ, well, guess what? It means that you, no matter where you're sitting right now, if you're listening to me driving in a car, if you're you know, at, at home taking a shower or whatever it is that you're doing while you're listening to me, if you're here live... Not only are you seated in that car or in the room or, you know, in, on your sh- in your shower right now, but you're literally seated in heaven. Yet the, re- the reality of it is, is that most of us live oblivious to that fact on a daily basis and a moment by moment basis. We are so trapped in the seen realm. So we aren't, we aren't identifying with our true identity. Okay, let me keep reading. It says, verse 2, Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Verse 3, Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tide of this life, and now your true life is hidden away in God in Christ. Listen to this. Your true life is hidden away away, inside of God, inside of Christ. In verse 4, now listen to this. This is is mind-blowing stuff. It says, and as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed. Why? Because when you see him, you'll see yourself. It says, for you are now one with him in his glory. You are now one with him in his glory. Now, why am I, why am I reading these scriptures so slow and so dramatically? You know, guys, I, I came back to this word. I know, I, I get it. It's October. It's, we got three months left in this year, 2019. And I'm still going back to the thing I've been talking about since January. I might talk about this for until Jesus comes again. Like every sermon I preach may just be the same sermon about living in one, living in, in union with God. And, and the number one priority, if you want to have success in life, if you want to be truly successful, is listening to his voice, right? It's make knowing him. When I say knowing him, I know when, when, when the father told me that word, he was probably speaking Greek and he probably meant the Greek word gnosko, which is translated into the English as no, but what it means is, is an intimate knowing. It's, it's a, it's an experiential knowing. In fact, in, in the Bible, when, when that Greek word gnosko is used, like in John 17, 3, when Jesus is defining eternal life and saying eternal life is to know him, the one true living God and the, the son in whom he sent, that gnosko is, is talking about such a degree of intimacy that it was it was used as a Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse in the in in the context of marriage 
back in those biblical days. I mean, this is a intimate, experiential knowing. And to make that kind of experiential knowing of God your number one priority. And learning to abide in the vine. Now, learning to abide in the vine is really simple. People, I mean, I tell you what, though, for years I would think, I would think to myself, how do you abide? Like it was so like um, such a parable or such a, you know, an analogy that I, I didn't know what it meant practically. Like, number one, I'm not a, a real vine. I'm an actual person. You know, so I'd be like, I get what you're saying, but I don't know how to do it. And there's really two ways that I would describe abiding. It means that you are aware, you're living out of your true identity, that you are aware of your union with God, that you are not confused about who you are. Because if you go in the context of that that whole uh, story that Jesus is talking about, about, you know, him being... uh, you know, the father being the vine dresser and he is the vine. And then it talks about, he said, there's a, a part of that that says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that when we are separated from him, we're like, you know, useless, basically. We're like, you know, the sticks that you throw into the fire. Why? Because I'll say it again, true success in life is found in letting God's life flow through you. So I want to come back to really the topic of of tonight's podcast. And I said I was going to be taking you through what I'm calling the levels of awakening. Now, these levels, I don't want to confuse these levels like something that you're striving to work through, like mystics of old where, you know, they were having these mystical experiences to try to achieve union with God. That is not what these levels are because the reality of it is, is that your, your resurrection is, is, is done. Your crucifixion is done. Your union with God is done. So you are not ascending into a state of being. I call it awakening because you are just simply becoming conscious of the reality of your union with God. It's kind of like you're asleep and then you wake up. It's like you're in a coma and then you wake up or that, you know, in a deep sleep and you wake up and you're becoming aware of the reality of your union with God. So let's talk about these four states of being. This, this first level, we all, and I'll say this, a lot, a lot of us, especially if you've been listening to my teaching for more than five minutes, you're aware of the union, your union with God. You've heard the gospel because you've heard me preach it. Um, but just like I was saying earlier, just because you've, you can recite your identity in Christ or you can say, you know, I'm one with God doesn't mean that you're living out of it. And so this, I would say this, sometimes we, we, we bounce around. I feel like some of these, I call them states of being, uh, and some of us only bounce around the, the first two. Some of us have come into the third one. And then some of us have visited the fourth. So let me talk about them. Okay, this first level of consciousness, I like, you might say unconsciousness, <laughs> this might be a better word, is, is called victimhood. 
And this is where you are living out of the identity of being a victim. And when you are living out of a victimhood-based identity, one of the ways you'll know that that's happening is because you're going to be doing a lot of blaming and you're going to be doing a lot of complaining. You're also going to find yourself offended. Now, I'm just going to be really honest here for a moment, but when you are in strife with anybody, I just am going to say this, I, I, and goodness knows we all have our conflicts in various degrees with different things that go on in our lives. But whenever you are having a conflict with someone and you are in strife with someone, really at the, at the root of whatever is going on, you are fighting for the right to be the victim. When you are offended with someone, you are claiming and saying you are putting on the role of being the victim. Look what they, look what they did to me. I can't believe that they did that to me. Why? Because you're the victim. You're the victim. And you'll notice when you actually get in arguments with people, that's what you're arguing about. Nuh-uh. You know what you did? No, you did. Da, 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 da. No, you did. No, 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 you did. And so you actually begin to argue over who is actually going to get to be get to be the victim. That's a revelation. And then there's other ways that we do it. I mean, come on. I mean, people are victims of everything these days. I mean, they're victim of the government. They're victim of of circumstances. I mean, just completely at the mercy. I mean, completely out of control or a lack of ownership for what's going on in their lives. Victimhood thinking, by the way, each of these states of being also have an an, an associated mindset. Because your state of being always comes out of a mindset or a program. And you want to think about the victimhood mindset also of being what the Israelites lived under after being in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. They were trained to be slaves. And guess what? When you're a slave, you know, rightly so, you're you're pretty much a victim. (laughs) And you're trained to be, have no control over your life, no ownership over your life. And we saw that manifest in the Israelites when they, when Moses brought them out of Egypt. Not only were they murmuring and complaining out there in the wilderness, but they were also accusing Moses and accusing God. And so when you find people that are blaming and accusing others and complaining, (laughs) you can guarantee that that's a victim, a victimhood mindset. It's a victimhood mentality. And I want to say this to you, beloved. You are not a victim. You are an heir. You might have been victimized, but that does not define you. There may have been experience in your experiences in your life that were painful and you were abused or you were maligned or you were mistreated. But those experiences do not define who you are. Here's the problem. The problem really isn't what happened. 
Was it right? Of course not. But the problem is not what happened. The problem is what you made it mean. And specifically what you made it mean about you. There are defining things that happen to us in our lives that cause us to put on a false identity. For example, this is a really simple one, but it, it happens. I mean, it definitely happens. It's this idea that, I, you know, you try out for something. Maybe you tried out for drill team. Maybe you tried out for the football team. Maybe you tried out for, you know, cheerleading or you tried out for a part in the school play or whatever it is that you tried out for. You know, you ran for class president or classroom, you know, leader, whatever, and you did not make it. You didn't get picked. And rather than framing that in a way that did not define you as a person, along the way, most of us decided it meant something about us. And for some, it meant that they never tried out for anything again. Because human beings, especially subconsciously, we are wired to keep ourselves safe. And we will begin to protect ourselves from pain and all kinds of things based upon what we've experienced. But even more than that, we will define a self-image out of that pain as well. And what I am suggesting is the same thing that the Father is suggesting, is that this identity that you formed about yourself based upon the things that you've experienced has got to die. That, that's the identity that's got to get crucified with Christ. Because it is not the truth about you. The truth about you is that you are immeasurably valuable. Your worth, you're, you are, I, there's no price that you can put on your worth except God's blood. You are worth the very sacrifice of God himself putting on human flesh, lowering himself, being humiliated, and going through the ultimate sacrifice, laying down his life so that he could be one with you. And I know people think, well, that, you know, I used to think this. Well, you know, people would say, well, Jesus, if it would have just been you, Jesus would have died for just you. And I remember when I struggled with lots of low self-esteem, that made no sense to me. I'd be like, oh, shut up. No, he wouldn't have. And, but the reality of it is this, you guys. The body of Christ is comprised of human beings. And every member of the body of Christ is necessary. Every part of that body is necessary. And Jesus purchased his body with his own blood. That is how valuable, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, when I say I don't care, it doesn't mean that I don't have empathy for it. But you need to hear it in this terms. It doesn't matter. I'll say that way, this way. It doesn't matter 
what your mom said. It doesn't matter what your dad said. It doesn't matter if you don't even know your dad. It doesn't matter if you've never met your birth parents. It doesn't matter if you were dropped off at the fire station or abandoned in a garbage can or malaligned and abused and sexually abused or uh, whatever the abuse, whatever the destruction was. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter in a sense that of course it matters. I don't mean it that way. What I'm saying is, is that those things do not have the power or the authority to define you. Let me tell you who holds that. You do. You do. And what I mean by that is that it doesn't do God any good to know all of this about you and you stay in the dark about it. Because you can't experience the benefit of your union with God unless you agree. You can't experience the benefit of your immeasurable worth if you aren't in agreement with it. And so I don't want you to feel condemned if this is where we are, if, if this is where you find yourself in this victim victim place, meaning I've defined myself based upon what's happened to me in my life, or I feel powerless because of what's happened to me. I don't want you to get upset about it. I just want you to just hear the, the, the reality that none of those things define you. And you have the opportunity and you have the responsibility to lay down that identity. Okay, the second uh, state of being, the second level of awakening is, is a way more exciting state because this is where you begin to get empowered, right? This is when you, you stop playing the blame game and you take responsibility, And you begin to own your life and own your destiny and own your reality. This is where you feel good about setting goals and you feel good about about, uh, working towards achieving things in your life, overcoming the circumstances of your life and, and beginning to to make progress in your life. You are empowered. The stages of the empowerment, the empowered identity. So you've moved out of victimhood and now you feel empowered. You're not going to let your past define you anymore. You're not going to let other people define you anymore. You recognize, listen, I am a powerful person and I can, I can control my destiny. My past does not define me. I am, I am I am saying yes to life. It is a very, it's a pow, it's an empowered place. And it's, it's a, and you will see this all over the place. You'll see people overcoming incredible odds, you know, and, and finding great success in life. And, and you will find people accomplishing all kinds of great things in this, in this. However, the, the problem with this particular state of being is that it's, this is all you. Okay, this would be in the category of self 
effort. This would be in the category when people say, I'm a self-made man, right? And you can look to no one but yourself and all of your hard work to, to say, I, darn it, I made it. Look at, look at all of this that I've accomplished, that I've accomplished. And while that is a better state than victimhood, it is not the goal or the key to living a truly successful life. The doorway into that true successful life really has to come through level three. And level three is another state of being. And and by the way, empowered mindsets are are powerful, okay? But they aren't, they aren't truly living. This is why you can find people that are uber successful and miserable. Because level three here, here's the reality of it. At some point in our lives, we're going to face something we can't control. You can't control other people. You can't, things happen to us, right? You know, you get physically ill, a loved one dies. And through life's uncontrollable things that happen, we learn a very powerful thing. And it's the third level, and it's called surrender. And surrender surrender is really all about releasing control. And most of us have to exhaust ourselves in the, in, in the self-effort category before we actually get to this place. But when you begin to surrender, what you're actually doing is you are truly surrendering not only control of your life, but you're surrendering, I'm going to say it this way, your agendas. You know, agendas is a powerful word. And I was going to read this scripture earlier, but it felt a little not quite right timing wise. And so I'm going to read it now. You hear me read it all the time. It's John 530. But to me, this is, this is the doorway to, to fulfilling your destiny. This is the door, doorway to living a truly successful life. It is the doorway to under, to, to learning your true identity. Let me also say this before I say that, though, before I read the scripture, before I say that. Um, Empowerment is, if I had to put it where that is in the body of Christ, because when you think about empowerment, you might be thinking Christians, this isn't Christian, I'm not describing Christians. I'm describing people that don't know God. No, I'm not describing people that don't know God. Okay, I spent a good, I don't know, see, 10 years in the Word of Faith movement. And what is the Word of Faith movement? I mean, there's an incredible truth. I love, I love Word of Faith, the stream. I love it. I love it. I love it. But I talk about it all the time. You can, do you know that Christians can follow principles and they can actually try to be good people? They can be empowered. They can, they can get up every day and do their declarations and they can speak to those mountains and they can, they can, you know, do all of these things that are scriptural, scriptural principles, right? I tithe. I, I, I have my declarations. I speak the word of God. I don't let any foul or ill, you know, ill communication 
negative communication come out of my mouth. I only speak those words that are filled with grace and edifying to other people. I do all of these things, kind of like the rich young ruler, right? I've All of these things I've obeyed since my youth. The problem is, is that it's all independent. It's all independent. And in the surrender phase, what you're doing is you're letting go of that independence. In John 5.30, here's the scripture. It says, I have never acted, nor will I in the future act on my own. This is Jesus talking. I listen to the direction of the one who sent me, the directions of the one who sent me, and I act on these divine instructions. For this reason, my judgment is always fair and never self-serving. I'm committed to pursuing God's agenda and not my own. So at this level of surrender here, this is when you truly are releasing agendas. And it is an act of your will. It is being in a daily place where you were like, God, have your way. I'm releasing my agenda. You're not controlling. It's not like you've got Jesus along for a drive that you're taking him on to get to your destiny. No, Jesus is doing the driving. And that is what surrender looks like. And this is how Jesus lived. He lived in a, com- a constant state of surrender. And then let's talk about this very last level of awakening. It's this last mindset, this last state of being. And it's the state of union. And it's the state of abiding. And in this state of being, in this identity, God is doing the work through you. This, your life becomes a divine flow. You are not, there is no toil in the fourth stage of awakening here. Toil comes from the second phase of of where you are trying to make it happen. And you are frustrated because it's not happening. If you are frustrated, that's a guaranteed sign that you are in a self-effort, empowered, humanly empowered state. But when you are truly abiding in the vine, God's power is just flowing right through you. And you, and and the Father is doing the work. And so if you move through those levels, level one, victimhood, level two, empowerment, level three, surrender to level four, you will see that all of this is, is going from the illusion of separation into the reality of oneness. And honestly, it's just a simple switch of your awareness. But it, even though I say it's a simple switch of your awareness, that doesn't mean that it's easy. And let me tell you why it's not easy. It's, a, it's, it, it's, it's annoying why it's not easy, but I, I'll still tell you. Okay. It's not annoying because we're emotional beings. And our emotions keep us... <laughs> in a place of living out of the mindsets that have been most programmed into us. And it's also, you know, our emotions are, are, are kind of funny things, right? They steal your awareness. Unless you learn to be aware of, of what is actually going on inside at the same time you're experiencing 
what's going on inside. I call it being the watcher sometimes, but it's where you begin to, instead of just living underneath your thoughts and like just, you are your thoughts, you are your emotions. It's where you know, you're, you, you take a, a higher place and you, you live out of your spirit where you are an observer of your thoughts and you are a observer of your emotions. And that's why I said it's kind of annoying. It's not easy, right? It takes great, it takes great emotional maturity. It takes great maturity to become, to not live in a a reaction all the time of what's going on externally and what's going on internally. It takes a position of living out of your spirit where you are not only experiencing emotions and experiencing the circumstances of your life, but you are watching yourself think about those things and have emotions about those things. Why am I saying that? Because true discernment requires that level of self-awareness. Now, one of the things that I will tell you about living in that level of self-awareness is the majority of people don't. The majority of people live unaware of their unawareness. (laughs) Right? And the truth of the matter is that it is a lifestyle to develop that kind of awareness. And what it means for us practically is that we have to practice. We have to practice living in two dimensions, living in the spirit and living in the flesh, living as a natural human being who has thoughts, who has mindsets, who has emotions, but yet is somehow not defined by those things. We are defined by who we are in Christ in the spirit is who we really are. And, and we know this to be the case. I mean, if you keeled over and died right now, guess what? All that mess that you've been, that's been bugging you <laughs> is not going to matter a hill of beans. In an instant, you are going to be standing in the reality of who you really are. You will no longer be under that burden of that unre- of your unrenewed mind and all of that emotional drama that we live with day in and day out. So if we truly are going to live out of our true identity, then developing a, an awareness about when we are playing the victim or when we are just feeling empowered but operating independently right when if you can develop an awareness of when those when you're playing in that realm then you can then you can go into the the next level by surrender and surrender sometimes looks like just saying this i don't know what to think I have all of these emotions and I have a lot of thoughts, but is this the mind of Christ? Are these the emotions of Christ? 
No, I'm going to surrender that. I'm going to surrender my thoughts. I'm going to surrender my emotions. I'm going to surrender all of this right here, right now. And Holy Spirit, you tell me, what are, the, what are your thoughts? What are, what are you thinking? Tell me what to think. Because here's the reality about emotions, people, that I think a lot of us forget sometimes. Emotions are always tied to thoughts. You don't just have a random emotion that does it. Emotions always come from thinking. Now, whether you're aware of that thought or that's a subconscious thought, I mean, whether that's a conscious thought that you can nail down or whether that's something that is below the surface, I mean, that's, that can be tricky sometimes. But my point is, is that when you are in the midst of that, that's the, that's the time to, to, to surrender and come up to that watching place. Come up to that discerning place where you are now not just experiencing your thoughts and experiencing your emotions, but you're, you're, now, you're now recognizing, wait a minute, I'm not sure these are even helpful. What's, what, is the, what is the truth, Lord? What is actually going on with me? I surrender. I surrender these to you. And what you'll find many times is that the Holy Spirit will absolutely unpack that for you. He will tell you where, you know, because why? He's renewing your mind. He is renewing your mind so that you can live out of your true identity, which is, it, which is 100% that you are one with God right now, regardless of what you're feeling, regardless of what you're thinking. Whether you can sense it or not sense it, it is an unchangeable fact about you. So let me, let me kind of start to wrap up with this thought. The Lord said, make listening to his voice knowing him and abiding in the vine, your number one priority. As we enter into the last three months of 2019, I don't know about you, but I'm, a, I'm very much a goal person. But when I sit down with my goals, and I just did it over the weekend, let's see, I started last weekend and this last week, I've just been really seeking the Lord about the things that he's had in, in my life and in my heart and what is he wanting to do through me? What are, what are your goals, Lord? What is the fruit that you want to produce through my life? What are you doing in my life? What, tell, me, tell me what to, where to, to surrender. Tell me where to surrender. He brought this back up because this is meant to be a lifestyle. Hearing God is meant to be like Jesus described it. Let me read it to you again. And John, it doesn't mean something we do in worship on Sundays at church. Here's what, here's what Jesus said. I mean, this is incredible, really. I have never acted and will not in the future act on my own. I listen to the directions of the one who sent me and act on these divine instructions. You know, in Emerge, we talk about a scripture, and I, I know I've been teaching on it this year as well, but in Romans 8, 14, specifically in the message translation, and, and, and there's a phrase in that that just jumps out at, at me and jumps out, and I talk about it with our Emergers a lot, and it says this. It says, what's next, Papa? 
And I believe whenever I hear that phrase, what's next, Papa, I think that's probably what the ongoing conversation that Jesus was having in his head all the time. What's next, Papa? What's next, Papa? What's next, Papa? And the reality of it is, you guys, that we have been living under this empowered, independent state for so long. It's been programmed into us by a fallen world system that we don't even recognize what's driving us. We don't recognize that, you know, emotional reactions are driving us or patterns of, you know, just behavior that have been so ingrained in us that it's driving us. We don't, we don't recognize, you know, all kinds of things that are driving us, agendas that are driving us. And so just taking the moment to be like, what's next, Papa? What's next? So not only the question is, Father, what are you wanting to do through my life between now and the end of the year? What are, you wanting, what are you doing? What are you wanting to do through me? But the question is, what's next? And that means that we do need to, you know what? We may need to get up a little earlier to hear God before we start our days. It may mean that we need to take a, some, some presence breaks in the middle of the day to reconnect and, and just, just abide in the vine and, and, and be like, okay, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am one with God. And I'm just going to, I'm going to imagine my union right now. Lord, thank you that we're one. Thank you that we're one. Thank you that I am not without help. Thank you that I don't have to just be, you know, do the best I can and try to try to make it through the day. No, you have a plan. You have a, you are doing something even right now. Today you're doing something. What's next, Father? What's on your agenda for me today? Because there's a, you know, all of these to-do lists. I'm telling you, these to-do lists, I just want to burn the to-do list sometimes, you know, because they're just never ending. It's never, it never stops. The to-do list never stops. And it's like, Lord, is this, did I, did I, was I born to accomplish a to-do list? Like my life is going to consist of a never ending to-do list from now till I die. Lord, what's on your to-do list? What is on, what are you, what do you want to accomplish? What are you doing? And guess what? He may have you doing some to-dos. You know, he has a, a, a big call for your life. He has things that, that you can influence and transform. And so it's not that we're going to sit on, you know, in our, in our prayer closet all day and just, you know, kumbaya with Jesus, you know, all day. But the real, what, I'm, what I'm suggesting is that we, we slow down our internal world enough that we can connect and follow the Holy Spirit. Practically. I, I mean, really practically. To live as Jesus did. And so, let me pray for you guys. Father, I thank you that this is not... this. We're not going to get there through self-effort. Thank you that you aren't having me talk about this tonight so we can add this to our to-do list. But rather, you are shifting the way that we live. This is a this is a way of being. These are this is a state of being, Father. And you are you're introducing us to these this this unforced rhythm of your grace, where we are living life with you. Are we achieving goals? Totally. Those get done just as a natural byproduct of following the Holy Spirit. Your goals get accomplished, Lord. 
And so I just, tonight, Lord, we just surrender. We just say that we're going to come out of these independent ways tonight, and we're just going to surrender. We're going to surrender our agendas. Every agenda in our lives that is not your agenda, Father, we just, we, we just say, we speak death to that agenda. We say it can no longer function in our lives. We are not in agreement with it by a conscious act of our will right now. Now, granted, subconsciously, that thing may be driving us and we don't even know our own agendas, God, but we are making a, we are making a decision right now that we're releasing those things to you. You have your way. You accomplish what you want to accomplish through us, what you want to accomplish in us. And we also just declare that the enemy's agenda for us cannot stand. We break it off. We release ourselves into the flow, into the flow where we are committed to pleasing you. We release all of the people-pleasing nonsense that we've been under, Father. We release worrying about disappointing and hey, and not just, you know, meeting other people's expectations, Father. And we surrender. We relinquish the need to please. Or do we say just completely eradicate that from our lives? And we just surrender. We surrender. We surrender. Father, we surrender our own opinion of ourselves. We give you permission to completely destroy that and cause us to come into agreement with your opinion. We give you permission to convict us of righteousness. We give you permission to convict us that we're just like Jesus, that we're guilty of being just like Jesus, (laughs) that we look just like Jesus. We're guilty. We're guilty of being holy. We're guilty of being blameless. We're guilty of being perfect. We're guilty of being exactly like Jesus. And so, Father, we surrender our brains. We surrender our mindsets. We surrender our thoughts and our emotions and our desires and our fears and just every bit of our lives to you. We, we offer ourselves truly as a living sacrifice, God. We put ourselves up on the altar and say we are dead to any identity that is not you living in us and through us. Now, Father, we, this is, we can't, we, we're going to sacrifice ourselves. You know, I don't think you're asking us to, to, to do that, Lord. I think you're saying we're already dead. That we're already sacrificed. And so we just come into that place, Lord, of where we've already surrendered. And we rest. We rest in a deep, deeper place of trust. We trust, Lord. You said you were going to work things out together for our good. You said all things would work together for our good, so we're going to trust that, Lord. We're going to trust that. I thank you that you are giving us greater self-awareness so that we can be reminded by you to say what's next, Papa, throughout the day, every day. 
We thank you for victory, Lord. We thank you for experiencing the reality of who we are in Christ. By your grace, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, as always, if these podcasts are blessing you, I really encourage you to head over to Shalice.com and sow in to what God is doing through these messages. Uh, he is blessing people all over the world. And, uh, you know, there are expenses that, that go along with producing these podcasts and having a building that you record them in and all of those things. And so we just uh, just encourage you, you know, take part in, in being a part of what God is doing. And then also, as always, if you are interested in hearing God in a, in a greater capacity, on demand, you're, you're ready to, to hear God about the reason that you're on the planet and you're ready to, to transform your life and, and start living a life that is 100% aligned with the reason that you were born, well, send us an email over at info at and let us know that you would like to talk to someone about Emerge School of Transformation. Uh, it, we are transforming world changers, you guys. People are coming out of that program and, and with incredible assignments from Jesus and truly understanding what it means to be one with him. So we'd love to talk with you uh, more about the school. And so just send us an, uh, an email at info at Otherwise, have a blessed week. And uh, we will talk again soon. God bless you.